This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everyone. If it's your first time with us here at ABC Church, we give you a very, very warm welcome and a massive welcome to my mate David, uh, who has uh, come all the way from Wigan, is on holiday uh, here, and uh, lovely to see you this morning, um, David. What a, a pleasant, pleasant um, surprise. So if you're tuning in online, thanks for taking the time to listen as well. We never, ever take your time uh, for granted at all, so I hope you having a warm welcome here, David, in Wales. Are you all enjoying the weather? It's really hot, isn't it? Apparently, it's hotter than 1976. Any of you remember 1976? Yes, yeah, you're giving away your age now. You remember 1976. But do you know what? Something else happened in 1976. Lots of things happened during the year, but Elton John released a song. And that song is a very famous song from Elton John, which goes, Sorry seems to be the hardest word do you know it sorry so sorry yeah sorry seems to be the hardest word and so often it is isn't it when we've wronged someone or when someone has wronged us that making up is sometimes difficult isn't it husbands and wives do you like kissing and making up I like kissing and making up. Once I've come to terms with the fact that I was in the wrong and I need to go and eat humble pie and he say, look, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And she says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, so sorry, sorry. Yeah, we're nearly singing the Elton John song there, aren't we? But saying sorry so often until we resolve it in ourselves seems to be the hardest word, doesn't it? In fact, quite often it goes wrong when we try and say sorry or apologize. I love this scene. How many of you like Friends? I love this scene. In I don't know if you've seen of it where Joey tries to apologize and then it just leads to mayhem. I'll share it on Facebook later so you can uh, enjoy that funny clip. But sorry so often seems to be a very, very hard word to say and to do. Making peace is what the Bible calls it. We don't have the word sorry in the Bible. But we do have this principle of making peace. And I want to look at two scriptures, if we can, this morning for the short time that we have. We're going to look at one that's to be found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus spoke. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18, and from verse 15 through to 19, where Jesus teaches on this issue of making peace and how we go about doing that. So in the two um, weeks that we've had where we've been looking at this um, series of being unoffendable, our goal is to try and get to that place in life where we become like Jesus. The theological term for that is sanctification, that every day, in every way, we become more like Jesus. More of his behaviors, more of his attitudes, more of his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, and self-control. All of those things that Jesus modeled, we need to model too, don't we? We all want joy. We all want to be happy. We all want peace. And all of that can only happen if we become, as Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he said this, Blessed 
are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Can I say that again? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. How many of you here have been kids? Okay, not much interaction here today, because I'm looking around at the room, and I'm looking at your ages, and I know that all of you have been kids at some time. Come on, hands up, those of you who have been kids. And how many of you got brothers and sisters and all that sibling rivalry going on? Absolutely all of us. And how many of you had that? How many of you are the middle child? Any middle child? Any middle children here? Oh, God bless you, bruv. I'm middle child. We used to have it both ends, didn't we? We used to have it up and down. So I couldn't get on with my older brother. I couldn't get on with my younger brother. I was caught in the middle. I was the one always having eclipse around the years from my parents all the time for something that I had done wrong. You see, with my brother, it was my fault because I shouldn't have wound him up, my older brother. And with my younger mother, brother, it was my fault because I should have known better because I'm the older one. I couldn't win. And that moment... When my parents would pull us together, or maybe the school teacher would do it, or maybe on the rugby field it would happen sometimes as well, that somebody would come up and say, apologize to one another. And I'd say, you are? Dad? I'd say, get me aside. and say, apologize to your brother. And I'd say, sorry. And my father used to use that phrase. Did he use this with you as well? Now say it as if you mean it. <laughs> Did that happen to you? Yes. yes. Now say it as if you mean it. And that's what we did. Did you notice? We used to say it as if we meant it. But most of the time, I didn't actually mean it. I was still angry inside. I was still really frustrated at the fact that, like, I was in the right. And I'm having to apologize to my younger brother or my older brother because I'm right. Do you feel like that sometimes? When you're in the right. Or is it just me? When you're in the right and... They're in the wrong, and we have the ones that have to make peace. Now, notice what Jesus teaches us in this scripture. The proactivity of it. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. We have to make peace. That's not being peacekeepers. We leave that to the UN. They just try and stop wars from happening and just keeping people apart and, and just trying to keep this, what Patrick Lencioni, the writer, calls artificial harmony. He says where there's real war going on, where there's real issues going on, but what we do is we keep the peace. Keep the peace. That's why, oh, 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 don't argue about it. Now. Let's just keep the peace. That's typical Bible mentality. The Bible does not talk about Peacekeeping. The Bible talks about peacemaking. That we have to take an active step towards the other party and we have to make peace. We cannot be like immature children where God says to us, say sorry. Now say sorry as if you mean it. We have to come to that place in our lives where we genuinely are apologetic and say sorry and mean it. Are you prepared to come with me on that journey this morning? 
Come on then, let's dig into God's word because Jesus goes on and speaks very, very clearly about three things. So I'm going to open from God's word here three things, not from Paul the Apostle, not from the Old Testament, from the words of Jesus himself. When he gives us steps, when he talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount and said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they, for they will be called the children of God. He then later on, Matthew lists them in Matthew 18, verse 15 to 19. He gives us practical, relevant steps on how to mend ways and how to make peace together. So we talked last time we were together about... Um, forgiveness and how we need to work through that, those things together and learn to forgive people for the wrongs that they have done. And here today, I want to look at this, this um, principle of saying sorry or apologizing, or what in modern terms we call it conflict resolution. How do we resolve conflict when two parties have fallen out over something? Because I know that if we can do these things, if we can forgive, if we can make peace, then we come to be more and more like Christ every single day. And eventually, as I shared with you in week one, we can live and become like Jesus. Where Jesus was on the cross, he stretched out his arms and the words of ultimate forgiveness, ultimate peacemaking from him who could have called 10,000 angels, couldn't he? And just wiped us out. What does he declare from the cross after all of that wrongdoing? An innocent man. It wasn't his fault. But he says those words, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Jesus was unoffendable. So let's look at these three principles, and then I'm going to leave with you by means of uh, uh, closing the message here, I want to leave with you just two powerful phrases that you can use in your life that will help you. You ready to go? Okay, let's go for it. So in Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to read from verse 15. And I love this. It's always easy to remember Matthew chapter 18. 18 is when we become adults. 18 is when we should know better. 18 is when we are mature. It's the first book in the New Testament, Matthew. Remember Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 19. Okay, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 19. And Jesus says this. He says, if your brother or sister sins, what do you think he means when he says brother or sister? Is he talking about siblings there? No. Well, who's he talking about there? He's talking about us as a church. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. And you'll hear he uses the word church in a moment uh, further on in the scripture. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go. Did you hear that word? Go, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Do you know, it's my frustration in business. Sometimes those of you uh, who know that I have the privilege of leading some businesses, and it's my constant frustration when people in the office come and mourn and complain to me about other staff members. Do you have that happening to you? 
And they come and they mourn about this one. Oh, Sally's done this. Or Claire, not a drive, but you, Sally, I'm not referring to you, Sally in church here. But just Sally will come and Sally will complain about Harry and Harry will complain about Tom and Tom will complain about this one and that one. And every time, it never ceases to amaze me when I speak to them and I say, Sally, have you spoke to Harry about this? No, I'm not speaking to him. How dare him treat me like that? It's ridiculous. And they go on and... And it never ceases to amaze me because it's not logical. Speaking to me about something as if I can fix it when it's something that's just between the two of them. And so often in church that dysfunctional thinking and that dysfunctional behavior comes into church life too. People can behave how they want there out there in the world, can't they? Those that don't say that they're Christians, those that aren't believers, those that don't follow the word of God. But ourselves as believers, we are challenged by God's word. Jesus says to us, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. If you obey me, says Jesus, keep my commandments. And he teaches us here, he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. You know, I've even had it said to me as a pastor sometimes. Well, see, pastor, not everyone's wired like that. And I say, what do you mean? Well, some people, they they just don't like conflict. And, And they find it very, very difficult to go and speak to certain people, just the two of them. They find that really, really difficult to do. And because they're not wired like that, pastor, we should overlook that. What? Well, look... Someone comes to see me and they've got a a propensity towards stealing. And they find that very, very difficult because they're not wired like that. Well, that's okay then. We'll just let them steal, shall we? Or someone comes to us. I've got a propensity towards violence and anger. I'm sorry, I lose my temper. And before I know it, I start throwing things around the house. And I started, and in really really bad situations, when people drive me to despair, I've even been known to punch people. Oh, well, that's just the way I'm wired. We don't have the luxury, church, of being able to hide behind our wiring. Or hide behind how we feel as people. The commandments in the word of God are quite clear on how we should live. And this is very difficult to do. I acknowledge that. Some of us find it very, very difficult to come and have that conversation, don't we? So Jesus gives us a get out here. And what Jesus said is, you know, if you, if you go to your brother and it doesn't go well because it came out wrong... How many of you have done that and has come out wrong and made it worse? Okay, just me then. It's just me here that's gone to apologize to someone and to try and and make peace with them uh, and to sort it out and it's gone wrong. Well, Jesus says that there's a second stage. So first thing, point one, if there is an issue that we need to resolve with someone at church, go by yourselves, just the two of you. Just the two of you. Sit down, book a cup of coffee, and pluck up the courage. Please don't send a text message. Please don't send an email because it is clear here. It says just between the two of you, if they listen to you. Listening involves what? Speaking. The other side of it. 
And we think sometimes that we can sort things out by text message or sort things out by email. I tell you what, that's the worst way ever to sort something out is by text message or email. Can I give you an example? I remember very, very early in my business career, I remember a lady that was working for me as as an assistant. She'd done a fantastic job in sorting something out. I was so grateful. And she sent me this email that said, hey, I've managed to sort that out for you, Phil. I hope it's to, to your kind of desire or whatever it is. And guess what I sent back to her in the email? I sent in big capital letters, thank you, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, and sent it back to her. What a great email to send, isn't it? No. No, not at all. She came in to see me, in me in my, within 10 minutes, she marched into my office and says, what do you mean by that? And I said, what do you mean by what? What do you mean by thank you? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, thank you? That's how she'd read the email. She'd read the email because it was in shout-out language. I didn't know that at that time, that things were in capital letters was shout-out, with exclamation mark. She had, meant it, she had read it in the context of, like, a context of like, thank you very much. That's how she had read it. Because how many of you know, we quite often read text messages and read emails based on the emotional state that we are in at that time. So if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen, you have won them over. Let's win each other over, shall we? Can we do that as a church? Can we win each other over? Before I move forward from this point, notice the priority is put on the person who has been offended. Because quite often in life, the reason I believe, this is my interpretation, the reason I believe Jesus says that is quite often we can cause offense to people and we can hurt people when we don't even know it. Sometimes just a phrase that we would do, sometimes a a little joke that we've used in a moment of humor and someone's misunderstood it, and they've got offended about it. And they feel a certain way because of something we've said, and the person that said it has no idea about it. So Harry can't go and meet Sally, and Sally can't go and meet everybody else and talk about all the situation that's happening. If you feel wronged, if you think somebody has sinned or done something against you, it is your duty to go and to point out the fault just between the two of you. And if they listen, you have won them over. Point one, go and point it out. Number two, I love this get out that Jesus gives us. Look at verse 16 and what Jesus continues to say. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Do you know the passage of scripture finishes later on in this gospel? That it finishes because where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. The most taken out of context verse in the Bible. That it's talking about when we're together in a prayer meeting or when we're together as a church where two or three are gathered together. It has nothing whatsoever to do with that. Jesus is saying that if we are in agreement with one another over issues and we are seeking to make 
peace with other people. Jesus is with us when we are doing it. If they can't handle it and they don't want to resolve it, that's their problem. And Jesus is making it clear here. Take one or two that the matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So if it goes wrong, what the Bible teaches us here is that take somebody with you. Take somebody with you and say, look, James, can you come with me? Can you come with me? Can you come with me? Why, James? I said, well, it was, look, I just said, so, you, know, you know what I'm like with my mouth sometimes, and it goes off because I was just saying something funny. And I said something funny to Moose over here, to Kenny. I said something funny. I thought it was hilariously funny, but he took it the wrong way. Like, it was such a funny joke. It really, really was. But he just took it the wrong way. You know what I'm like, you know, like a laugh, etc. So, anyway, long story short, James, I tried to speak to... Uh, moose about it uh, and he still wasn't happy i tried to speak to him. he says no no i don't want to talk to you i've had enough you know that's how you are you can't just say pastor you preached in church the other day you said you know about our wiring you can't hide behind a, your wire that way with your humor thing you you can't you can't do that and he goes off the chain at me and i'm saying yeah but all i want to do is make peace what, and, and, and anyway james it didn't work out can you help me because i want to go and I want to sit down with him. And, and can you maybe find somebody else that can come with us, that can reason with us and help me make peace with Kenny? Do you think that would be a good thing for us to do that? Thank God, Kenny and I. <laughs> He's got a worse sense of humor than me. <laughs> and Brian is even worse. And David Withington, who's here this morning. The king of court, the both of them, Brian and David, they get on like a house on fire here. The king of corny jokes. They find stuff hilarious that's not even funny. I don't know how they do that. But anyway, back to the point. What Jesus is saying here is that we should always seek to make peace. And do you know what? Stage three. Stage three, if you like. So it says, take everything. Let's go to it. Verse 17 through to 19. Let's listen to what Jesus teaches in the end. It'll be on screen. Leave verse 17 onwards if you can. <clears throat> if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, point of note here. When it says, say it to the church, this doesn't mean put posters around church and let everybody in the church know. It doesn't. The church at that time was an organizational body. It's like a council that was working in, um, uh, in you know, like a, a county council. It's that kind of format. And what he is saying here is Jesus is saying, take this to leader of the place. In fact, can you believe it? Most businesses run in a rational way like this. All of you here that are working for someone will have a line manager, won't you? And if there's an issue between you and a member of staff, same rules apply. Your manager, if he's a good manager, if your name happens to be Sally and your name happens to be Harry and you've got a great line manager, you come and complain about Harry and Sally to the line manager. The line manager will say, go and sort it out together. But if you're not happy with the response from your line manager, you can normally go to a third person, can't you? So in our business, I'm the managing director of a company, and if you're unhappy with my decisions, you have a third course of action. You can go to the chairman of the board, and if you're unhappy with what I've done, you can go to the chairman of the board, like the church, the governing body of the organization. And believe it or not, if you're not happy with the chairman in the way our business is set up, you can actually go to the board of directors and make your, you know, your grievance known to them. 
And it's these structures of personal and team and organizational that Jesus is teaching us here. So let me finish with these two phrases. So are we clear about this? Phase one, go to the, the other person by yourselves. Number two, get somebody to help you if you need help in re resolving a conflict or apologizing. But the third thing, take it to the church leadership or in whatever context you are. If you're in a charity, go to the board or go to your line manager. Or if you're in a business, take that route because that's the principle that Jesus is teaching here. Two phrases I want to leave with you. And if you're writing anything down today, finish with these two phrases. The phrases are from a guy called Bill Hybels and a lady called Brené Brown. And I found these phrases really helpful myself in resolving conflict and making peace two ways. Are you ready for the first phrase? The first phrase is simply this. Can you help me understand? Can you say it after me? Can you? I said after me, not with me. Can you say the phrase after me? Can you? Help me understand. Okay, put it together after me. Can you help me understand? And once more. Fantastic. It's going to be great that all of you are going to be using that phrase. You see, what happens sometimes when conflict happens is it's difficult to tackle the subject without that person still thinking that you're attacking them, isn't it? So if I think that I've got an issue with Moose over there, with Kenny, and I come to speak to Kenny, and Kenny fired off at me and maybe lost his temper back when I was trying to apologize, it's pointless me having the conversation with him about his firing off at me, isn't it? Look, if I say to you, what, you, you know, Kenny, you know, there was no need for you to go shouting really, really loud at me and everything. What's he going to do if I approach the subject like that? He's going to get defensive, isn't he? What do you mean I was shouting? I wasn't shouting. You raise your voice to me first. And it's just, it's just going to escalate. But listen to this approach. This is so cool. You ready? What was the phrase? Can you help me understand? Hey, Kenny. Look, can we just start over? I know we started in the wrong way there. But Kenny, can you help me understand what I did to cause that reaction in you? Isn't that cool? Because it's pointing back at me. Do you get it? Can you help me understand what I did to cause that reaction? And he's going to proceed probably by saying, well, it's just your attitude, Phil. Or, you know, this is how I took it. And I can begin to empathize and we can begin to mend bridges together. How cool is that? So that's the proactive one, the peacemaking one, where we want to make peace. But what happens if it's the other way around? What happens if it's something you've said? You can Google this, and, and there's a video from Brené Brown where, you know that husband-wife thing? And I'm finishing with this. The husband-wife thing where she picks the dress. And she picks the dress, and they do that same thing, don't they? They do it all the time, girls. They pick the three dresses, they put one on, and then they, they say, what do you think? Now, this is what I call a lose-lose answer, isn't it? <laughs> Any of you know that feeling? What do you think? And so you begin to respond, you fumble for words in your head. 
and you think, it looks good, looks good. It could go any other. What do you mean just good? I thought this looks fantastic. What do you mean just good? I, I mean, that's what I meant, fantastic. Well, why do you say, you're just saying that now because I said. And you can go into this big black hole. And so normally, I know there's three coming up. And so she got the first dress, tries the first dress. I guess good. Are there any more? Yes, yes. Try the other one on then. Let's see what that looks like. Oh, I've just survived that one moment. Second dress is on. What about that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm thinking, what do I say? Does she like this? Does I not? <laughs> she do. Uh, yeah, and there's this moment that Brené Brown talks about in her hus- with her husband that she had that moment. And he, like me, and how many of you men have been here? Come on, let's be honest. Okay, just me being honest this morning, guys. If you'll say she looks wonderful and all of that and get away with it, then you need to come and tell me tips after. But anyway, the third dress comes in, does Brené Brown says, and she says, that looks fantastic. That suits you down to the T. That suits you down to the T. And that was it. And so he walked out, and he thought he'd got away with it. And you know, shame is a terrible thing, isn't it? Where sometimes we can say things that make us feel shameful. You know, in a husband and wife relationship, those interactions, I know we can laugh about it, but they're really important. Guys, your wife needs to know that you are for her, that you love her, and that you want the best for her. But sometimes, girls, I'm just saying, we don't know how to say the right words and put them in order. Because we guys, we want the best for you. And I love this phrase that Brené Brown uses and I've used it several times myself because she walked down the corridor after and went after her husband after he had picked that dress and she because of the way that she felt slightly offended and was made to feel shameful by just something that he'd said innocently she said this phrase are you ready the phrase is the story I am telling myself is said after me the story I said after me the story I'm telling myself is let's put it together the story I'm telling myself is and again and she went down the corridor and she said to her husband you know we picked that dress she said yeah and you said that suits you down to the T yes the story I am telling myself is you think I look fat in this and his jaw just fell to the floor and he said that's not what I meant well that's what I thought you meant no and they talked this thing through and they reasoned with it because out of something so simple sometimes the reality of life is we can get offended, can't we? So maybe in that interaction with your boss this week, maybe in that interaction with your pastor this week, or with your husband, or with your sister, when they say something to you and you're unsure of what they mean, that you can go back to them with your version of the story and that you can say in that moment, if it's between me and my daughter, Caris, who's here this morning, and I can say, Caris, the story I'm telling myself about what you just said is 
this and we can resolve it and we can work it through together. Do you find that helpful, church? Are you finding that helpful? So let's use these and let's live life like Jesus and let's go to the other person and seek resolution. Let's take witnesses if we need to that hopefully we never get to the place that we need to take it to the church or take it to the boss in any shape or form. And we can use these two phrases that are very, very simple for us to remember. Can you help me understand? And the story I'm telling myself is. Do you find that helpful? Come on, let's pray. And the team are going to come up and we're going to close with a, a song. Father God, in this area of personal relationships, we acknowledge that we find it so difficult on occasions. That Lord, all of us are shaped and molded to be the people that you would have us to be. We've all got our different personalities. Some of us are outgoing. Some of us are more introverted. Some of us are loud. Some of us are quiet. Some of us are expressive. Some of us are thinkers. Lord, you made each and every one of us and shaped each and every one of us in the very image of God to be different. Never made us into robots, but the of life is something that you want for all of us to live together not in artificial harmony not that we keep the peace with one another but oh God that we live in unity and that we are peacemakers so Lord as we love God and love people I pray that you would help us not to apologize say sorry that so often seems to be the hardest word help us strengthen us guide us through your word that we could live together in unity and harmony reflecting the love of God so Lord for people here in this room Lord that this week we'll be forced to put these things into practice Lord power them up with your Holy Spirit today to take those This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.